You know, we started this podcast because so many black belts and green belts, what I was finding is they get out of their training, they're really overwhelmed with the information, and they're just kind of like left a little bit empty, wondering, okay, what's next? Chances are many organizations that have just started the program don't have that flexibility or luxury of having a mentor kind of reinforces or gives some, how do you say, confirmation to, hey, what I'm hearing or what I'm doing actually makes sense, or this is what I'm struggling with, and that's common, so that's fine. So that's why you and I are here each week to be their regular coaches. So we're going to continue to support all of you guys who are listening so long as you continue to support us. We really appreciate you joining us on our journey. Tell your friends and colleagues all about us. Subscribe on iTunes. Leave us a five-star review to help us reach more Lean Six Sigma and quality professionals. You can search for eSuccess Methods Podcast in the search field on iTunes, or you can find us under the business and career section. And uh, by all means, keep listening. We have lots more coming. And if you ever have feedback or ever have some comments or even if you need a quick coaching tip, feel free to reach out on our website, eSuccessMethods.com. Welcome to the eSuccess Methods Podcast with Jacob and Aaron, your weekly dose of tips and tricks to achieve excellent performance in your business and career. Join us as we explore deeper into the practical worlds of Lean, Six Sigma, project management, and design thinking. In this episode number 136, please enjoy an excerpt from my, quote, coming soon book, Is Lean Six Sigma Right for Me? With a story about Johnny B. Ermuda in a tale of a project lost. If you like this episode, be sure to click the like link in the show notes. It's easy. Just tap our logo, click, and you're done. Tap, click, done. Here we go. Johnny B. Ermuda, A Tale of a Project Lost Excerpts from Is Lean Six Sigma Right for Me? When it comes to stakeholders, the project manager will encounter no shortage of jerks when it comes to their projects. These jerks can come in many forms and from any part of the business. They can be your boss, your champion or sponsor, your team members, or even someone you have no idea was remotely involved with your project. What does a jerk do? They block the progress of your project through a number of means. Depending on a jerk's stature within the organization, they may engage in this subterfuge with a different tactic. While the term jerk may seem harsh as a label for a book, it is intended that the proper color is cast on the actions of these project detractors, so that the potential practitioners reading this can empathize with the emotional aspects of many projects. The shrinks of persistence act a vortex, funneling end projects in the seas of no return. Now that we know what makes a jerk a jerk, i.e. what their behaviors are, Let's now ask, why is a jerk a jerk? What are their motivations to act in such jerky fashions? There are many potential reasons, and they are not exclusive. In a nutshell, the practitioner will come across these main motivations, fear, confusion, and ego. It can be imagined that each of these feeds one another and can be drawn in a Venn diagram with significant overlap. In this, we have a seemingly inescapable Bermuda Triangle, where projects get lost, unless the practitioner effectively addresses at least two of these three main resistance motivations. Story of Johnny B. Ermuda. Not long after completing his training, Johnny was eager to demonstrate his new knowledge and skills and beat the statistics around all the programs that failed to deliver on time, in scope, and within budget. Johnny recently left his IT role and joined his company's operational excellence program as part of a two-year rotation. Johnny sought out his own certification project to improve the accounts receivable, build a cash process, to improve the turnaround time. He managed to get the backing of a sponsor, Annette, the local controller from the Northeast region. See episode 21, It Takes a Village. 
Johnny put together a project charter and a business case to share with Annette. Johnny's analysis was deep and sound, and it has a promise of great savings if he is successful. Annette is enthusiastic and curious to see if Johnny can pull it off. She approves his charter as is, with one small note to expand the scope to all of North America, since they share the same billing system. They work together to brainstorm a list of team members to represent the various departmental interests. They decide on Jeff, Joanna, Karina, Alex, and Gregory to represent accounts receivable, receiving, procurement, planning, and quality, respectively. See episode 27, Building a Project Team. Johnny's plan is clean and is shaping up as diligently as it was taught in class. It is in line with all the best practices he studied for the certification exams. As far as Annette is concerned, Johnny is the real expert and she trusts him to manage the project as he sees fit. As far as Johnny is concerned, he is the best person for the job. He was given a large tool set to pull from and the authority to move forward with a lofty goal. As far as the team members are concerned, well, with the exception of Jeff, they did not know about the project and none of them had worked with Johnny in the past. Nonetheless, Johnny gets his signatures and crew, loads his goods, and sets sail. Johnny greets his crew the day they set sail. Jeff and Joanna remember each other from another project they both worked on. Karina, Alex, and Gregory work together on a regular basis. None of them are aware of Johnny's capabilities or his history. They know only that he's been authorized to lead them on this voyage. Johnny takes charge in the classic style by calling a kickoff meeting. See episode 36, Team 10K, Team Building, Push to Perform. Thanks everyone for meeting me, starts Johnny. You've been selected by Annette to help me with this project. Our goal is to shorten the build-to-cash time in AR. That's why Jeff is on the team as the SME. Johnny glances around the room as he speaks and promptly re-engages with his computer to display his work. So I did some digging to prepare for this meeting and went through a lot of data analysis. I found some interesting things. Firstly, it takes 50 to 90 days to get paid after billing. Jeff, does that sound right? Jeff shrugs. Uh, yeah, I guess. That sounds pretty typical. Great, Johnny continues. So there's that. Also, looking at the capability, you'll see our CPK is 1.2. That's a 3.6 Sigma process, which is not good. It's really bad, actually. We want a 6 Sigma process. That's 3.4 defects per million opportunities. We're at about, like, 17,000 DPMO. The data is also non-normal, so we have a lot of work to do if we want to get below that 75-day USL. See episode 67, In the Eye of the Cash Holder, part 3A. Capability Indices. Joanna cocks her head to the side and interjects. Wait a minute. Where did that 75-day number come from? Our average billing to cash cycle is less than 60 days. There's a moment of silence in the room. Johnny tucks his chin back a bit and gives a mild shoulder shrug. I think your data is wrong, Joanna continued. Johnny didn't know yet, but he was sailing through the fog of confusion. I got this data right from the reports in our ERP system. Johnny pulls out a massive spreadsheet and projects it on the screen to share with the rest of the team. He scrolls down through hundreds of lines and does a hotkey shortcut to the end. See? Over 1,200 data points. So I'm not sure where your 60-day number comes from. Johnny slips into the flight straits of resistance. He didn't really see it coming. He miscalculated what the fog of confusion and malfunctioning instruments of ego would meet, and what effect that may have on his project. The Straits of Resistance act as a vortex, funneling any project swiftly into the seas of no return, where fog of confusion, malfunctioning instruments of ego, and rough waters of fear meet the Bermuda Triangle of Projects. Johnny pulls up his control chart for the data. It is a jumbled mess of black and red colors, resembling a tiger-striped caterpillar. It's kind of hard to see, but this is what the data looks like as a run chart, Johnny explains. 
all the black points are what's normal for the process, and the red points are out of control. Out of control? Questions Jeff. His eyebrows crinkle and his eyes crossed as he attempted to make out what the caterpillar represented. Gregory, of course, was quite familiar with these types of graphs, though he's kept quiet until now. See episode 64 in the Eye of the Cash Holder, part 1A. Stable and capable. Yeah, out of control basically means beyond those three sigma control limits. We use these for some customers, but we don't usually use more than 30 data points at a time. This is just a jumble. Gregory turns to Johnny. What are we looking for in this chart? Johnny fumbles a bit. Well, I guess just to get a feel for the variation and the average performance. See here. Johnny points to the X-bar notation. This is the average performance of the project. 58.796 days. Yeah, pipes, Jeff. That's right. That's the average we report on our metrics. Well, we rounded to 58 days. That's what Joanna was talking about a minute ago. Joanna raises her eyebrows and nods briskly, rapidly shaking her curls in agreement. Okay, that makes sense. So we're on the same page? Johnny checks some room and receives approving looks from most of the team, with the exception of Alex. What about 75 days? Where did that come from, asks Alex. Just looking at the data, it's clear we're doing better than that. On average, answers Gregory, but we're talking about an upper specification limit, meaning we want all transactions to happen faster than 75 days, or whatever that limit was. I'm not sure where that came from either. Gregory looks down at the table, tapping his pen. Other than his chiming in here and there, Gregory appears very distracted and removed from the conversation, like there's somewhere else he'd rather be. Okay, yeah. That 75-day value is one that Annette came up with. That's where she wants to get to. She says that's a good benchmark, Johnny explains. Joanna and Jeff exchange glances. Gregory chuckles to himself and begins to gather his belongings. The rest of the team follows suit. Johnny notices that meeting time is almost up and proceeds to adjourn. I'll send out an invite for the next meeting, says Johnny. See episode 8, running a team meeting. Let me know what day of the week works best for you next week. The team acknowledges Johnny's closing remarks and splinters into clicks as they withdraw back to their normal work areas. Luckily for Johnny, Gregory had helped tow him from the flight straits of resistance. However, he is left drifting with malfunctioning instruments of ego. If he does not take decisive action to understand the fears, egos, and confusion of his stakeholders, he and his project will meet their end in the Bermuda Triangle of Projects. How should Johnny's story have started? How might his story continue? What comes next? How does it end? Does he get the girl? Happily ever after? Crash and burn? You choose. Continue your version of Johnny's story in the comments section. You are listening to E6S Methods Podcast, brought to you by E6S Industries. Join us on our website at www.e6s-methods.com. Journey through success. Did you know E6S Industries delivers custom training? We'll customize a program to meet your unique continuous improvement needs. We're also experienced keynote and motivational speakers to professional organizations and universities. Contact us on our website, www.esuccess-methods.com, and let us help you chart your journey through success. To avoid the Project Bermuda Triangle or its evil straits of resistance, a practitioner must become informed with the various interests around his or her project. This is referred to as stakeholder analysis. The depth to which this analysis must go varies greatly. It is possible that a practitioner wins a group of stakeholders, 
who have a prior positive experience with the application of Lean Six Sigma and experiences smooth sailing. Most commonly, though, a significant amount of stakeholder analysis must be performed, and a risk mitigation and communication plan must be drafted and continually be revised throughout the life cycle of each project. See Episode 24, Stakeholder Management. The stakeholder analysis and communication plan can best be summed up as politics. For many Lean Six Sigma practitioners, it is indeed a dirty word, and it takes the practitioner away from what they might consider as value added in the project, away from the data analysis, and slows the project down. Rest assured, yes, it will indeed slow the project down. However, it is much more value added than it may appear. What value is any activity if it does not get accepted or embraced by the user or new owners? Exactly zero. It is important that practitioners accept politics as a way things get done within organizations and recognize that despite whatever branding your project may have associated with it, it is not immune to politics, even if the practitioner and the project were hand-selected by the CEO. This does not make the Bermuda Triangle disappear. Considering the extra potential for ego and fear, it could actually make the dangerous pull from the Straits of Resistance much worse. Thanks for listening to episode 136 of the E-Success Methods podcast. Don't forget to click like or dislike for this episode in the show notes. Tap click done. And please don't forget to finish Johnny Biermuda's story in the comments section for this episode. We love hearing from our listeners and learning about how you use Lean and Six Sigma. Feel free to email us, Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, or contact us through our website. We reply to all messages. Please leave a review on iTunes at your earliest convenience. Um, I mean right now, so that this podcast does not die a slow, painful death like so many other podcasts do. Don't forget you can find notes and graphics for all shows and more at www.esuccess-methods.com. Journey through success. If you're not climbing up, then dude, you need help.